Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I am your host, Tom Donnelly. I am joined by host Matthew Robinson. And because we are starting round seven, we are also joined by virtually the entire Game Brain crew Almost. on Zoom. Hello. Almost. Hello. We're missing uh, Elder and Ben, who couldn't make it today, but I'm so we glad we were able to right? get most of us here. If we got it, would have screwed up our little three by three. It's true. It is nice and symmetrical right now. We even have uh, we even have Alfred on. Yay! Yeah. Happy Yay. that we could be virtual. Can join in from Boston. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi. Well, how is everybody doing? Uh, we're all we're all locked in our own little little cages. How's everybody faring? Shall we uh, shall we go around the horn and everybody just has a little minute to to say hi and so we're not all talking over each other? That's a good idea. Uh, does everybody have the same order of people? Is is Trey so. in the upper right? No, no. Oh, everybody's different. All right, all right yeah. let's let's call us out. Okay, very well then. Trey, how you doing? I'm doing great. <clears throat> I've been playing a lot of online games with some other game brainers on uh, Board Game Arena. Cool. Cool. You know, I watched I watched a very good game of Keyflower last <laughs> night and had a lot of fun not, not actually cool, playing man. Keyflower. My secondary or primary win condition was it's a nice introduction for Bruce to our gaming group and see uh, how we actually talk to each other. I, I, I think you're I think you found your niche. Your niche is to not play the game, but simply to commentate on it. I think uh, it's a gift. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, how you doing? Uh, I am doing very well. I am back from Florida. Woo! So I am back in Los Angeles. Yes. And I've gotten to see all my game brain friends pretty much none of the time. So that's <laughs> not so different than Florida. You brought Although me a I cake have... and I saw you from 10 feet away. Yes. And, and Matt dropped off uh, uh, some, what you call it, uh, bookmarks, which, you know, nice. B is using. Uh, His she wife finished you... War and Peace. So she, she earned a bookmark. Yes. And, and, and he gave me one too, knowing that. I don't actually know how to read. Sure. <laughs> uh, Trying to so, encourage yeah. you. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. So, life is good. As with Trey, playing a lot of uh, uh, games online, uh, Board Game Arena, uh, Tabletop Simulator. Uh, I was a part of a, a really exciting game of Keyflower <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I wouldn't say I played a game, but I was a part of it. <laughs> Uh, and up until that point, you had never lost the game of Keyflower knowingly. Is that correct? Uh, I don't remember ever losing a game without the expansion. They, I, I've, I've never been able to grok the expansion yet, but gotcha. until that day, I have never lost the, in, in, in memory. Uh, I'm sure someone has beaten me, but like we stopped playing that game because of me. Gotcha, gotcha. Jesse, how you doing? What's up? It's living the dream. Um... <laughs> Doing a lot of homeschooling. Yeah, a lot of homeschooling. Kids are here a lot, um, but it's good. Uh, I haven't played many board games. I yeah. played a bit of Animal Crossing. Um, just getting into uh, what is it? Legends of Rune Terror. Mm -hmm. I'll play with you, Jennifer. You play Legends, don't you? Uh, Legends. Legends of Rune Terror. Yes. Yeah. I am. I. Uh, it's. I've. Switched over it to it for my iPad game now. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I just Rune Terra so. Friends. I love that game. Yeah. And then um, I've been uh, I've been coding a lot. I've been uh, learning um, Unity. So. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm actually working on a certification, like a whole program. Really? Holy cool. cow! 
That's awesome, hey, dude. Did you um did you hear that Epic's uh Unreal engine is gonna be free until you sell a million copies? Really? Wow. wow. I did see that new demo this week though. That was pretty impressive. It looked incredible. So many triangles. Huh. So many chances. Billions of triangles. Trillions of triangles. <laughs> all triangles. Jennifer, how you doing? I'm all right. Thank you for asking. I've been playing um I Bruce and I have been trying to get through my backlog. Uh, my son Todd gave me gave us too many bones, and that's been great. That's that's so much better for us than Gloomhaven. It's just amazing yeah. to be able to sit down, play it out, put it away, and you know go off and do something else. So we have really enjoyed that. Um, we've been playing uh, Imperial. Uh, what is it? Something in Steam, you know? It's basically Empire Builder with a bunch of Chrome. Gotcha. And <laughs> it's the same, I mean, it's the same core game. And, um, you know, of course, no one but us maybe remembers Empire Builder. <laughs> but yeah, we've been trying to work through my backlog. I don't normally have a backlog, but I do now. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. Um, Alfred, how you doing? Excellent. I have my semester ended about a week ago and finals came and went relatively uneventfully. I put out a record on Friday. So feeling positive, getting a nice reaction. From, All right. It uh, is strange, we, though, to be you, doing Can you tell us what it's called? Yeah, so would you like to find it? Plug oh, sure. it in some some small fashion. Yeah, it's called What Wands Won't Break. And it is a statement and a question at the same time. Um, it is strange to be putting out music in this in this moment where touring is is impossible. Touring like venues seem to be the last thing that will be opened yeah. in the current current environment, which is fine. I mean, I would prefer people to be safe, but um, from a previous life as a professional musician, it would have been relatively impossible to have sustained. And as an educator, I find it you know I am grateful to be here in Boston to be doing this thing. But I do miss you all very much, and I miss our gaming. Even though the virtual online representation is something, it's something, and I'm. Those of you who have reached out, thank you, and and uh, I look forward to the rest hopefully soon. Awesome. What wands won't break? Yeah. By Daedalus. That's the important part. By Daedalus. Yes. Yeah, Track I, one. Cauldron. Come on as your PR or something. You may be familiar with my socials, aka the end of this program. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite track is Two oh, Chimera. Oh, a new fighter enters. Someone is jumping in. <laughs> nice. Oh, elders here. How about that? Soon. Um, a new challenger here. approaches. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's let's keep let's keep it going here. Dimitri, how you doing? I'm doing fine. I can't complain. I miss oh, you could. food. <laughs> I do movies. I miss concerts. I miss theater. I miss something else. I'm not sure what it is. I've been <laughs> racking my brains to figure out who though they are that I miss, but. Uh, Maybe someday I'll figure it out. Gotcha. Could it be human contact? I don't know. <laughs> oh, sure. It's just <laughs> Paul. With whom? With what kind of people? Uh, and what did we do? What did we do together before all this started? Uh, I forgot. So many things. Dimitri does show up outside my balcony from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> Not Romeo, <laughs> oh Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Yeah, I play the game of Key Flower, although not the one that you are all talking about. Um, and I played five hours of uh, poker with friends of Ooh. mine. It was uh, like the best poker night we've had in years because we fun. 
drive there or drive back. That's awesome. Jakey, how you doing? Doing good. Doing good. It's, uh, you know, same as Jesse, except I only got the one wee guy here. I mean, it's just full on parenting, 14 hours a day. And, but it's great. I'm missing all you guys and uh, all that fun gaming, which I've done none of at all <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. The nighttime comes around and it's just, that's it. My brain is done. Yeah, I understand. But no complaints. It's a special gift to be able to have this time with him, which I would never otherwise have. So I'll oh, try yeah. to see the positive of it. Totally, totally. That's, yeah, yeah I, I'm finding the same thing with, with my kids, which are teenagers now, and suddenly we have them in a locked environment where they can't escape and uh, we're actually getting yeah. some decent teenager time, which is a rarer and rarer thing. It's like one of the RPGs you wrote. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Elder, good to have you, sir. How you doing? He's oh, muted, by the he's way. He's muted. Oh, so hey. Uh, hey, how you doing, How's Elder? it going, guys? Good to see you. Glad I can make it. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm hanging in there. Hey, Jed. <laughs> I'm hanging in there. Um, you know, doing a lot of uh, tabletop simulator um, pretty much every night, a little board game arena. And, um, you know, just looking out for my senior mom who's staying with me. So thankfully, everybody is uh, still safe and healthy. Good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just make, making it through. Is it just me or does Elder look five years younger? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just shaved. So that's, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you <laughs> I got rid of the goatee. So proven uh, appearance toppled. Tom, black don't crack. Black don't crack. Yeah, there you go. No, I mean the the rest. Yeah, look at Jennifer's like skin. It's like she's glowing down there. What's ah? Oh, yes, like, no, it's it. magic. Where the <laughs> I have a wizard's cloak. You know, Jake looks like Jake looks like Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> I'm so tired. It's amazing. I'm awake. Right? Just <laughs> waiting for lightning to shoot out of your fingertips. All the Caucasians look like we're slowly dying. Oh my God, that's so funny! And uh, and last but certainly not least, Matt, what's up? Yeah. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm 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 hyped to hear that Jennifer's playing too many bones because that's my jam, and I would love to play with her at some point. I'm also uh, waiting. I think the uh, the uh, splice and dice Kickstarter should be delivering in the next few weeks, which I'm really excited about. Some more fun new too many bones is coming i got this bad boy yesterday is that showing up on nope. camera <laughs> it's, it's green screening right <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying it's green screening it's uh 18 chesapeake yep and i'm dying oh. to play that as soon as humanly possible i got mine yesterday yeah can't wait yeah um, um they're gonna be implementing that on 18xx.game by the way really oh, yeah fantastic. yeah that's the next game that's that's coming oh fantastic awesome. Well, my birthday is in like two weeks, and I would love nothing Happy more. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, two uh, weeks. In two in weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> but hopefully, we can try to get some gaming in. I know uh, Forbidden Waters, uh, which is a fun, light, story-driven game, has put out an app that makes it very zoomable, up to seven people. So maybe a bunch yeah. of us can get together and try to do that. That'd be really fun. Sure, sure. Sounds All right. cool. Jeez. All you need is a twelve-sided die. That's it. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Why does your background look so similar to mine? Oh. <laughs> I uh, I let my hair down, and Trey took a screenshot. Uh, but I'll, I'll I'll this is this is I was bald at the beginning of the quarantine. Just so you know, that was good. Jesus, no literally. 
ridiculous. Uh, Tom, you want to tell us about this round and what we can expect? Sure. This is uh, this is the beginning of round seven. Our first co-host is going to be Jennifer. Uh, so in just a few minutes, Jennifer and I, we're going to be talking about Key Flower. And Jennifer has a really, uh, when she said she wanted to talk about this particular topic, I was uh, super excited because it's one of it's one of the things that we haven't really talked too much about, but is one of these things that is totally on my mind. Jennifer, what are we talking about? Gatekeeping. Gatekeeping. Yes. I will be adopting I, the pro position. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's more complex than that. Oh, that's, okay. what, that's what makes it such an interesting topic to me. Totally. You know? Uh, I'm looking forward to getting yes. into it with yeah. you. I think oh, that, right there, right? Yeah. Looking forward to it. <laughs> um, and uh, for this, this, the theme for round seven, given that we are all uh, locked in our own little places, that we're feeling very separated, the the theme is just going to be the 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 quarantine. It's going to be social isolation and how we combat that. I mean. We can talk about in our individual segments. We can talk about anything that we want to talk about. But no matter what we talk about, at some point, we're going to be discussing our lives and uh, the fact that we're not seeing each other on a regular basis anymore and how yeah, everything and has been a little fragmented. You guys. Well, you know, it does not look good that we will be seeing each other. We're basically part of stage five or whatever mm-hmm. when they allow crowds. Yeah. Because we cannot game and be six feet from each other. It's just not going to happen. Age five so, like cancer, Jennifer? I'm sorry? Age five like cancer? <laughs> no. Stage five like Newsom. Of the opening up of the opening up of uh, of California and uh, somebody yeah, back yeah. from the, the edit downer two one zoom in here yeah <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a long time folks yes it really is buckle so. up it's gonna be a little well except for Alfred I mean Boston's pretty much just already open right everybody's in the bars Boston Boston's a petri dish <laughs> that is is right now working on the antibody issue if you just look at the number of people who have are, are still running on the roads basically and just like you know. It's desiccated. What's the phrase? I don't know. But desiccated. Not desiccated. Yeah. Not desiccated. Yeah, but I mean, even, okay, like, for example, the the St. Bede's meetup tried to have a meetup tomorrow, okay? Mm-hmm. And nobody wanted to come. Imagine that. Mm. So they had to cancel it. So, it, you know, a state can say it's okay, but that doesn't mean that we agree, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, I, I have an over 65 man in my house. I'm not going to go to some board game meetup with people I don't even know. Does Bruce know about this person? <laughs> <laughs> I saw a picture of a, a basically a, a cafe in Germany that was opened. And what they did was they gave people hats with like swimming noodles, you know, across. <laughs> <laughs> so that you would be able to stay six feet. This is what six feet means. So we just uh, we just need to get some some swimming noodles and we can game again? That's awesome. I'm just saying that, that <laughs> that's a possibility. We would be able to keep the six feet uh, six feet uh, range. Oh. <laughs> that's awesome. We'll say, we'll say, but like I'm saying, everything, I don't have anything better to do but to research this. So everything <laughs> that I'm saying is we are stuck with crowds. So yeah. 
Anything anybody else wants to? Oh, sorry. Any anything anybody else wants to uh, wants to throw in because uh, we're getting to the point where we're going to for the podcast part of this anyway. We're going to cut to Jennifer and I having a having a deep dive on Key Flower and talk about the news of the day. Anybody else? Well, I recorded this all on uh, video, so if you're listening to this and you want to see our happy shining faces, you can go to our Game Brain Podcast YouTube channel and see this whole section in video. Yeah, you can see. Well, you can see what we kind of look like. <laughs> I mean, you can this, see. You can probably see. better than I look. Oh, or, <laughs> or not. Or not. You know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right, 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 right. Or if you, you want to keep us all a mystery. But look, though, you can see Dimitri right there. <laughs> there he in is. Full color. Yes. <laughs> full power. Basically. Oh, okay. All right. The only one who is not with us is Ben. Ben Mandelker is recording his own podcast as we speak and was not able to join us. So we miss you, Ben, and uh, we look forward to talking to you very, very soon. I think that's about it. Everybody say goodbye. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. 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 Nice round. to see you. Good to see you Hope all. You have a great yes. episode. And we'll be back uh, with Jennifer in just a second. And we're back with Jennifer. Jennifer, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. It is excellent to see you. Listen, we've already kind of checked in with you and with me and with everybody. So what say we just get to this week's game night? All righty. Sounds good. What games did you play over the last week, Jennifer? Uh, uh, I'm doing some beta testing with a ton of other people of Teotihuacan on uh, Board Game Arena. Love it. So, yeah, love it. Oh, it's so, it's really, really well done. It's fantastic. Uh, I can't wait to, to for all for everybody to be able to experience. So, you know, Teotihuacan is one of my favorite games of the last few few years so i've really enjoyed the the sessions and then i'm sorry i i liked it very much the the first couple times i played it but i was like where does it fall on the lorenzo and zolkin scale like where where does it fall in there and for me it was like kind of second tier but i will say that expansion that came out really opened my right. eyes to the depth of the game and how variable it is. Like, like it's not a one-trick pony. This game has some legs. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, I, well, I have found it to, we have found it to have legs. We have not subscribed to the all you do is pyramid thing because if you try doing that with, as you know, some of the players in our group, they'll destroy you. And you'll be like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do some mess. I'm gonna do some decorations here. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, right. You know exactly. And and the way the whole thing plays through is, I mean, plays within each other because you can't do decorations unless, or a lot of them, unless people do pyramids, mm-hmm. and you can't really do both. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, I it really hits some uh, great peaks for me. Good. And to be able to play it on board game arena, frankly, I could probably play that every day. Oh yeah, yeah, I can't wait until that's that's officially released. 
Um, but what else? Yeah. Any, any other games? That oh, you- yeah, we played your favorite, Terra Mystica. Oh, I do love it. <laughs> I do love. Look, I don't hate Terra Mystica. Let's be clear. I don't hate Terra Mystica. What I hate is that they came a couple years later. They came out with a spiritual sequel to it that was better than it, and yet they're putting out expansions for the game that isn't better. That's my only issue with Terra Mystica. If if Gaia Project never oh. came out, Terra Mystica would be in my top ten. Okay. All right. Well, it is still in a friend of mine's top 10. So the three of us played, and the the other two were within two points of each other. Mm. I I, I wouldn't have bothered scoring myself, but the score is still shown. So there you go. Oh, no. Yeah. I I hate it. uh, Why don't they just have an option online where you can just say, you know what? I don't need my score. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, right. (laughs) Exactly. You know, not only that, they track it. Oh, the last time you played, and you're like, look, I don't need that information. Yeah, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Exactly. All right, I'm, I'm here for the pure joy of the game. Don't tell me the score. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and then you and I also, we played, uh, we played Keyflower getting ready for today's review. Yeah. You... We did, and go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay, I was just going to say, you know, I did really badly, except they, you know, Board Game Arena has the original rules, not the variant that I came up with. And I, by the way, didn't really come up with that. That uh, uh, Dave Eisen came up with that uh, variant, and I just communicated it to Richard Breeze. But it doesn't incorporate that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's just not a game for me. Um in the using the original rules yeah we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the review but i will say that i just found out right now that you did not come up with that uh, with that with that variant rule because right. i've been telling people for i've been telling people for about seven years that you came <laughs> up with this alternate rule i may have even announced it on this podcast that jennifer has this rule <laughs> for for key uh, keyflower that makes it a a yeah a, it's a subtle rule but it it makes a big difference, and I, I totally agree right. with that. We'll get right. to that. But it, you know what? It's just like saying, well, Jennifer invented Euro games for the U.S. No. I let people know about it. I let Richard know about that rule. Yes. So I, I think some credit is still deserved. Yes. You're, you're the reporter that broke the story. Right. Yes. I like that. I like that. Because you are an anti-gatekeeper. Which was also something we're going to be talking about. You were the one throwing the gates open and inviting everyone in. Uh, we'll talk about that. We will indeed. <laughs> All right. Um, I also played. Uh, I played Smartphone Inc. Uh, uh, which um, uh, no, I'll talk about that in Games on the Brain. Okay. Um, I played Elfenland again, which uh, uh, Paul. Um, Paul had a neighbor who, who, uh, tragically passed and he had a collection of old games and, uh, because Paul was, you know, very friendly with them and, uh, they knew that he was into games, uh, they said, come and, you know, take whatever you want. And so he, he, he did, he took some, some great uh, games. I think he, he gave, um, 
Maddie a copy of like, like a very good older edition of El Grande, I believe it was for me. Uh, those very rare uh, Dune expansions that are not good games, but are amazing for a completist. And for Dune, I'm, I, I'm, I can get into a com- completist kind of mindset. And for himself, uh, he took a, a few games, and one of which was uh, Elfinland, which um, we played with the family a little bit, and we're very much enjoying it. And then um, my mother-in-law loves Mahjong, and she might be, generally she stays here with us about half of the year, and then in the summer months goes back to her home in Indiana. Um, now, we don't know if she'll be going back, but we're kind of anticipating that if travel restrictions are eased and everything seems to be calming down, that she might be going back to uh, in Terre Haute, Indiana shortly. So we've been playing almost every day. We go over there and play about four games of Mahjong, and I gotta say, it's kind of growing on me. <laughs> it's one of these... It is. It is... The draw tile set collection game. There are joker tiles that if you get, they're just immensely more powerful than everything else. So no, it doesn't. It, it, the Euro gamer in me should shudder at the fact that I enjoy it so much, but it really is kind of a nice challenge and a, a, a very good social. My wife calls it a parlor game, and I think that's, that's very fair. I think that's a, a very good description of what it is. And I have to say, I have a really fun time uh, playing a little Mahjong. I, maybe it's just that I like playing something in person, and I can actually play in person because it's my family and we're all sequestered together. I, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, if you like Mahjong, you might want to try Rummy Cube. Uh, we have Rummy Cube. We've played Rummy Cube many times. I think that is a very good game. Yeah, yeah. And now, do you have it with not the cardboard stuff, but you know? No, we got we have the backlight yeah. tiles. Right, right. Yeah. Are they, are yeah. they backlight yeah, or plastic? That's... Something like that. Whatever the 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 the, the, the better quality tiles that they have for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That has that went over really well with uh, older friends. Yeah, I think that's that's one of those kind of gateway games, maybe right where it's it's just a little bit more complex and a little bit more thinky, a little bit more clear strategy going on in in the game than a lot of the the lighter fare. Yep. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, well, uh, let's move on and let's talk about the news. We we haven't done too much news in the last couple of weeks, so we have a few items right now. Even with the quarantine, there's still some things happening in the gaming world. Good evening, Mr. Mr. Nobles, South American. All the tips and clippers and see. Let's go to press flat. First up, the big news of the day is that there is a game coming out called Small World of Warcraft. Yes. If you like Small World or if you like Warcraft, you're probably going to end up getting this. Um, not much to say here. It, it is Small World. The The game is very, very Small worldy, except that it is rethemed for World of Warcraft. And uh, it seems like the powers and the, the things that each uh, group is going to be able to do will be, uh, will be tweaked and be different to match the World of Warcraft. Do you ever play World of Warcraft, Jennifer? Do I have to admit it? Yeah, I'm asking. Because <laughs> I never I have. Think, I think I have over 300 days played. Really? World of Warcraft. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I started playing the first week it was released, yeah. I don't, the next expansion will be the first expansion that I'm not buying. 
Oh, okay. All right. uh, yeah, I'm finally over it. <laughs> now, here's the question, because some people on the, the geek have been, you know, they saw this release come out and they were like, who asked for this? Like, who wants this? My question for you, you play World of Warcraft. You're into World of Warcraft. You're also into Euro games. Is this of interest to you? Well, I don't like the core game, so no. Okay, there you, you know, go. You know what I mean? I mean, I think I would be more interested had they gone with a more adventure format. Like, you know, let's say like they adapted Too Many Bones or World of Warcraft to Too Many Bones. That'd be cool. I'd yeah. be on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I think it is. It's that they're taking World of Warcraft and they might as well make Warcraft Monopoly, right? Because the game right. the game doesn't fit the IP, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, but seriously, could you imagine all the Warcraft classes as too many bones classes? Wait, 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 wait. Wow. They Sorry. almost they almost are already. I mean, there, there's there, there's so much in that game that that seems to already fit the World of Warcraft. Certainly, the style right. and the tone of it. Right. Yeah. And all they gotta do is tweak it a bit, and we'd be good to go. And they would sell the heck out of that too. They would sell that. Oh, I think even a- at that that price point. Well, we're going to have to talk to those folks and, uh, and, and and see if they can get that. Well, I guess I guess it's going to be harder to get that license when they just licensed a different game. But you never know. Right. You never no, know. And also, you know, Small Small World is a board game. Too Many Bones, I think you could argue, is almost like a chip game or a stacked game. It's not the two games and, and their fans don't overlap. I think that's true. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, moving on, speaking of uh, licensed content and IP, uh, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Party, is a light, uh, fast, two-to-four-player game that is coming out that is being put out by Weta Workshop, uh, put out by the very people that made the movies. Um, essentially, it, it is set in the opening scenes when the 13 dwarves arrive at Bag's End and uh, Bilbo hates it. And uh, you're earning points by performing lines of the song, the things that Bilbo Baggins hates. The game ends when all 15 lines are spoken and you're moving around your pieces around the, his, you know, Hobbiton, Bag End, whatever. And trying to get the things that he hates and do the things that he hates, something along those lines. It looks like a family game. It looks like it's something uh, uh, kind of light. Um, I don't know. I, my guess is is that Matt is taking pictures of it right now and making his own print and play of it. <laughs> because I think we just found Strider's first game. His son's first game is, is almost certainly going to be... <laughs> this but you know what i don't mind it the art is the art is fun playful it looks like it looks like a hobbit uh, turned into a kid's board game uh, and i think it's i think it looks like that it looks like a, a fun a, a, a potentially very fun kids game so um for, it's available for pre-order right now uh look up what a workshop hobbit an unexpected party now to something that is a little more interesting to us. Um, Jennifer, have you heard about this game called Canvas? 
No. It's interesting. It's uh, the designers Jeff Chin and Andrew Nerger. Um, and what it is is we're playing one to five players and we're, we're playing as painters competing in an art competition. Now, you remember Mystic Veil came out and it had those see-through cards that you could stack one card on top of the other on top of the other to make more powerful cards out of? Yes. This takes the exact same idea, but for art. So you are taking these art cards that are translucent, and when you put three of them together, you've made a distinct painting. And between all of these cards, you have an infinite variety of paintings that can be made. And from the looks of it, they look quite interesting. They look really quite nice. The the art design of this game looks fantastic. If it plays as well as it looks... This could be one of those games, you know, I put it into the uh, wingspan category of a game that because of the theme, because of how it's treated, because of how nice it was made, if it, if it plays as a game and it looks like it's well thought out in terms of how, how things score and all that sort of stuff, um, this might be one of those games that might uh, attract some eyes that normally wouldn't play our type of games that might bring more people into the hobby game. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you should you should check it out. I, it's probably a little light for for our crew, but if thinking about it like wingspan, thinking about it as you know maybe one of those gateway games that you know people like you and I sometimes keep on hand to to bring people into the hobby. Uh, maybe this is campus is something to look at. I, I highly urge that you go and uh, take a peek at it on on the the geek because it's it's the art is pretty beautiful. I really like it. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, next up, a little train game news real quick. Um, there is a game called Mini Express by Mark Gerritz, and uh, that is going to be... Uh, there was a Kickstarter for it. I think we just missed it. It's a sequel to his game Mini Rails. Um, basically, if you like Irish Gage, if you like that sort of stuff, if you like those lighter, shorter, cube, rule, uh, cube rail type games, uh, this might be something worth looking into. Um, but more interesting to me is 21 Moon. 21 Moon is an 18xx game by Jonas Jones. The idea is uh, we're set in 2117. Climate change is taking a toll on Earth. And we're going to the moon to gather resources. So there are corporations. We have 11 months to gather minerals uh, as much as we can. And, you know, before the rocket leaves the moon, we are investors, you know, so it sounds like it's going to play like 18xx, but, uh, you know, do you remember there was a moon map for Age of Steam? This seems like 21, uh, you know, 18xx, uh, the moon map. So, who knows? It is... Yeah, um, oh. Go ahead. Uh, Are you there? Yes, yes. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, I was a playtester for 2038, which is 18xx on the moon, or was it Mars? I forgot. So that's kind of been done before. Mm, And, you know, I always have nightmares about Poseidon with everybody. Oh, that's just like 18xx. (laughs) And you're going, I'm sorry. With all due respect, that game sucked. Okay, so I'm like, oh, a little skeptical here, a little skeptical. You're going to have to sell me. I got some good news for you, Jennifer, because it is currently available on Tabletop Simulator and on board 18. So we could go and take a peek and check it out and, you know, at least read the rules and see how it it lays out and see if it might be something we want to give a try. 
Okay, Tom. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, it's always hard for me. I think I've said this on the podcast before. But when you start getting past three to four hours for a game, I'm like, I want to play a real 18xx. So, like fair. I said, you got to sell me. Totally fair. Totally fair. <laughs> um, Ryan Lockett. Uh, he was the designer who brought us games like Near and Far, Above and Below. I, I like him. I think he's a pretty good designer. I think he, he makes some good stuff. Um, he has designed a game with a guy named T. Alex Evans called Deep Vents. And the idea is along cracks in the ocean floor, um, there is all this heat that is coming up. There's, micros- there's microscopic bacteria and extremophiles that live there. And in deep vents, players are controlling their own hydrothermal ecosystem where they're adding new life and geological features. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tile drafting game. And uh, I don't know how it's going to play. All I'll say is, is that Ryan Lockett's a pretty good designer. And I certainly like very much the idea of the game. The setting of the game is something I haven't seen before. Uh, knowing a, just a tiny bit about that setting... Um, those vents are just, you know, you, one inch to the left and you're in a completely different ecosystem than one inch to the right. And, and so if the game plays like that, where it's a very fragile sort of uh, system, that could be really, really interesting. I think it's... Coming. Yeah. I don't know. I've never liked any of his games, Tom. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're lighter uh, then we play, and they also have a story element, which we're, which isn't necessarily uh, our bag. Would you say that's correct? Um, I don't know. I just uh, uh, the professor likes his games, uh, uh, Eric. Yeah, yeah. I played. I yeah. played his games with Elder. Right, and I, you know, it's like wake me up when it's my turn. <laughs> Well, with that stirring endorsement, the Deep Vents is going to be out August 5th, uh, 2020. Um, but uh, Red Raven, who is putting this game out, Red Raven's website may have games uh, coming out in the next few weeks. So um, not a lot, but if this if you're a Ryan Lockett fan, how about you check that out and see? You might be able to get in on it. Yeah. Absolutely. Folks, when I don't like a game, it doesn't mean the designer is terrible or how dare he. No, it's just, you know, everybody has choices. And he uh, he seems to be very widely liked and enjoyed. I just don't care for his games. That's all. I I totally listen. Uh, Jennifer, you and I, I think, uh, of our game brain group, have have the longest history with games, right? And you considerably longer than than me. I'm not making a crack on your age, I. But <laughs> I do think that there is something that happens when you've been when you've been collecting, you know, buying, collecting, playing, analyzing games for twenty years, thirty years, that sort of stuff. I think your 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 no button becomes a much quicker press. Right. You're and you're the level at which the the minimum bar you have to get over for me to think this game might be something I'm going to want to have in my collection long term starts to get starts to get pretty high because you know what you like and, and you have you know, you're like, well, this is kind of like this, this and this. And it's not better than any of those three. So why am I why am I continuing to play it? Right. That kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. And especially, you know, I think. 
you know, I know in these times that some of you guys are getting more plays in, but I'm not. And so, you know, I'm, you know, just the game has got to be good right now for yeah. me to play it. You know, I'm not going to waste time and effort and stress. I find Tabletop Simulator to be pretty stressful personally. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to play something there, it's going to be good. You know, that's just that. how I feel. I hear that. Um, moving on to something that's on Kickstarter right now, as of the time we're recording this, 16 days left to go. It'll be about 13 days left to go when this episode drops. Maharaja. We talked about Maharaja a month or two ago. Had no idea that it was about to be redesigned and re-released when we started talking about it. Um, it was literally brought up in the context of um, hidden gems, like like what are the games that you don't get to the table very often, but you really really liked and were totally just lost to uh, to people. And one of mine was Maharaja. It was a Wolfgang Kramer, Michael Kiesling design. So, I mean, they're they're rock stars in in my book. Um, and Maharaja was a really interesting game. I, th- I thought it had flaws, but it was very very cool because what you're doing is is you're building these palaces um, and it, there was movement was difficult. There were things that would uh, uh, impede your movement. So people could block people from getting to this city to build a palace there and to that city to build a palace there. And the reason that was important is because the Maharaja is on a schedule and he is going to go to this place and then he's going to go to that place and then he's going to go to that place. And if you have, if you time it right, you're building your palaces right when the Maharaja is getting there and you're going to score very well. One of the more interesting things about it though, is that there was a mechanism. There was an, it was an action selection disc. So everyone would select their disc in secret and there were two arrows on each disc. So you could choose two actions Everybody flips them up. One of those actions is to change the order, change the Maharaja schedule. Literally change the order in which of uh, the places that he's going to go. And I just thought that was great. Well, it turns out that they are re-releasing it and they are updating it with the help of it is being redeveloped by Simone Luciani himself. Cranio, uh, Cranio Creations has uh, Simone basically looking at all sorts of games that that they can update and uh, you know and maybe change in 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 small ways to make the game go better and I gotta tell you Maharaja is one of those games that was so close to being amazing I think they might have hit it here right because of the development I for me personally I'm done with cranial kickstarters I'll wait for the retail sure sure uh, why is that <laughs> Yeah. Why is um, that? Why? Yeah. I have a Kickstarter version of Barrage, and you look at the retail version, and the retail version is about a thousand times better in com- component-wise yes. versus the Kickstarter version. Yeah, I, I have. Right. Yeah, I I'm not going to pay Kickstarter money for something, and then they come out and fix it in the, the retail. Uh-uh. Yep. I hear you. I, it, it is fair. People were burned by Barrage. They really were. And uh, um, there's, there's no getting around that. I, I will say that it, it, looking at it, it looks pretty good. It looks, I don't see what the, the component issue is going to be in, in this particular one, especially since it's a game that already existed. 
So it's not like they're 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 uh, reinventing the wheel. Um, looking at it and knowing the game pretty intimately, it looks like the the main the, one of the bigger changes that they're making to the game is that the the original game was a race game. The first person to do a ends the game and wins the game essentially. And now right. it's going to be a victory point game, which I think was my big problem with the game. My big problem with the game is, is that it, it kind of devolves into, oh, so-and-so is ahead by two palaces. I don't see, even if we all work together, I'm not sure we can make up that, uh, that, that deficit. And that, was, uh, and that was a problem in an otherwise great game uh, by, by simply eliminating that and making it a fixed number of rounds and uh, a victory point scoring. I think that, uh, that, listen, I'm kicking it. I'm just going to tell you right now, I, uh, components. Well, but, yeah, but, I mean, you know, yeah, <laughs> I'm not against you kicking it. I'm just voting with sure. my dollars. As well and, you should. And, you know, I may email them and just say, you know, I'm so disappointed in the other Kickstarter that I gave you money for, mm-hmm. and, the, and the components were terrible. And I'm just not going to give you money in the Kickstarter. I will probably buy the retail, though, most likely. Well, then you're then they'll be like, oh, you're paying us more money. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Because I'm still mad about, you know, I, I, I guess there's some way to get it fixed. But uh, yeah. all these hoops you have to go through and I'm just like, no, I totally I'm going to get it right. <laughs> right. The first time. Right. Yes. No, exactly. If you like variable player powers and you like being able to switch variable player powers and take them from other people, Maharaja might be a game for you. I recommend that you check it out. Check out the Kickstarter and uh, uh, see what you think. Um, one other Kickstarter bit of news is just a reminder that Kemet Blood and Sand is going to be coming to Kickstarter May 26th. So coming right up, it's about to come out. Um, it, uh, Matagot, M-A-T-A-G-O-T dot com. Um, if you look at their news site, they will have a ton of information about this game. It looks gorgeous. Kemet for me was one of those almost good games. It was like, it was, right. it was so close to being, I think what they were trying to do was they were trying to do Dune that plays in a reasonable amount of time, like an updated version of, of Dune where there were variable player powers and, and armies fighting on the board and all that sort of stuff. And it never quite got there for me. Would you say yeah. that's for you too? Well, you know, it is still for a lot of people the base dudes on a map game, right? Yeah. Because it does do a lot of stuff well. Yeah, you know, but the actual playing of it is a little bit busy because you're always looking all all of these things up. And I would still say that the Command and Colors series yep. beats it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for, uh, yeah, but Command and Colors is that's much more of a straight stripped down war game, whereas this is more of a dudes on a map Euroe. I don't know, thing. man. I got people that if I call Command and Colors a war game, I'd have to pull them out of the ceiling. <laughs> well, Grognards are, are a touchy bunch. Let's just say that. Yeah. They are a touchy, touchy bunch. Um, uh, listen, they say that the rules have been uh, significantly redeveloped and they've been redeveloped with the input from players and, and hopefully players like you and I that were like, eh, not quite. 
Um, right. <laughs> and, and if that is the case, listen, they got a new beautiful game board and some new cards and some new things. That's all well and good. I don't, to me, the, the look of the board and the minis, that's a tertiary concern for me. My main concern is how does the game play? And, it, you know, the first thing they talk about is that they're changing how the game is, is played and they're trying to really dial in what, what is going to make this game great. So uh, I thought that they were close enough on their first try that I'm not sure I'm going to back it, but I'm very much for looking forward to playing it. I, I definitely am going to play uh, Kemet Blood and Sand because they were close the first time around. And who knows? It, it, I don't think it would take too much to turn Kemet from a, a also ran so close but didn't quite make it game for me to a game that I want in my collection. Well, are either you or Matt getting it? Um, I don't know. I got to talk to Matt about that. I, I guess one of the two of us is going to have to bite the bullet and get it. I think I think he always liked Kemet, so uh, my guess is is that he's going to be back on this one. Plus, it's got miniatures, so that's right. <laughs> we have a we have an unspoken understanding that uh, that <laughs> if it's got pretty miniatures, that that he gets that, and for me, it's optional. And uh, if it's about the German parliamentary election system, I have to get it, and then for him, it's optional. Ah, I see. okay. <laughs> Um, bad news, bad news at Kickstarter though. Uh, Kickstarter is going to be laying off 40% of their employees because coronavirus. Um, it is a sad, sad thing. I, I think I just want to say to our listeners out there, some of you have been laid off. I know that that's just math. Um, and you know, some of us are, you know, have had, you know, I, I've had projects that have gotten stopped or, or delayed because of this. Um, it's a, it's a scary time out there right now. And, um, I, I just hope that, uh, that everybody has a support system ar- around them to be able to keep going and that our hobby is going to p- keep people connected in a time when we otherwise might be uh, prone to despair. And I hope that everyone is doing well. And I hope that the Kickstarter employees um, find their way back to employment at Kickstarter or elsewhere very soon. I know Kickstarter recently unionized. And uh, the good news of that is that the union is negotiating with Kickstarter as to severance and so on and so forth. Had this happened a year ago before unionization, these 40% of employees uh, might have been given virtually nothing and just kicked to the curb. So um, I'm a big believer that... Uh, workers need uh, some protections in this time and in this space. And I'm, I'm really glad that that even though it's a, a difficult thing to get laid off, that that hopefully they will have some uh, protection that you need to find. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, positively. I mean, no question, no question. And last but not least, uh, Capstone. Capstone is be- has probably become my favorite publisher. I think that they have been on such a roll lately. I mean, everything they've they've touched has been just amazing. They've partnered with Führerland Spiel, uh, Spiel, Führerland Spiel, and they are now going to be publishing future editions of Terra Mystica and Gaia Project, which I think is great. I, I don't think it's going to change anything. I don't think they're planning on changing either of the games. I think they've just uh, stepped up to become the, uh, the the publishers of it. And uh, I, I think Fjordland Spiel were, were they uh, were they in the behemoth that is uh, that is Asmo Day? Do you do you know Jennifer? Yeah, pardon. Was was I'm Fjord, sorry. Was Fjordland Spiel were they were they part of Asmo Day? 
No, they were, okay, so Asmodee, as far as I understand, was the licensed distributor for their games through Z-Man. Yes, yes, yes. But right? Now, but now by moving right. to Capstone. And so now, mm. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Okay, okay. Um, so now, Pure, I can't pronounce the name, Pureland. Pureland, Was free to negotiate other distribution Mm-hmm. Companies. Good. And so they negotiated with Capstone for those two games. It is interesting. That is that, my understanding. I think that's great. I, there are a lot of people that uh, it seems like there are a bunch of people that are falling out of Asmodee, and Asmodee seems Thank to be letting, seems to be letting them go as well. Which is, you know, hey, I I think that's great. I think. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of niggling little things I could say about Asmodee, but that 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 replacement policy. Uh, really right. soured me so much. I've never been soured so much on a, right. a, a, a on a game maker on a on a producer in my life. I've never been exactly. Soured. I mean, it, you, it I know. Not. And and see, these people probably these companies, these indies, mm-hmm. right? These mm-hmm. are independent developers. Always keep that in mind. You know, they do publish, but really, they're developing their own games. And they didn't want to be, I, this is just my opinion, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't think they wanted to be part of that. That they wanted to be customer friendly. That they understand that this hobby is not like some well-established hobby where they can just, you know, turn their nose up at the people participating, think, and they didn't want to be part of that. I think you're right. I, I, I you know, we don't know that for sure. We, we have no idea. It could just, it could be a million different reasons why uh, a, a bunch of uh, a bunch of designers and uh, companies are leaving the the Asmodee uh, ecosystem. Um, but it could very well be that it could be that that they're they're kind of turned off by what Asmodee is becoming because it's not exactly what they promised they were going to be. Right, and the other thing is, you know, distribution is changing. Oh yeah. Okay, so that they don't need Asmodee like they used to. That's a good so, point. Yeah. Oh, so, well, you know, there's there's other changes coming in distribution in the next few years, trust me. And as you see more places, you know, BGG now has games. You know, Cool Stuff could easily say, well, you know what, we're going to, you know, instead of letting Board Game Bliss take off all the imports, we're going to negotiate for some imports, just like Miniature Market has. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like, you know, oh, well, we can promise you a million sales. Yeah, no, it, it's it, the the situation is very fluid and it is changing right. every day. And hey, don't weep for Asmodee; they're going to do just fine. They still own tons and tons of very, very marquee uh, product lines, and uh, you know they, they operate uh, in, I would say, in kind of a quasi mass market space as well. So they 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 are they're right. going to do quite well. Well, you know, I mean, Fantasy Flight is really their big, and Days of Wonder, right? Yes, yes. Are their big cash cows, and they don't appear to be going anywhere, especially since Christian Peterson left Fantasy Flight, which I was very sad about. But, um, you know, they have those, and those I know are big sellers for them, so maybe they don't mind uh, reducing the scope of their 
uh, publishing oper- operation. It could be exactly what they're looking for to be more focused, right? Um, yeah. It mm-hmm. could be, and and maybe maybe it's best for both companies to do it that, that way. So. I, I think it's I think it's a good news uh, uh, for the business for for us the consumer having more publishers more options is almost always right. better than fewer uh, that that works yeah. and, and everything from cable television to phone companies to you name it that's almost always the rule so uh, yeah so glad to see that Terra Mystica and Gaia Project are now with Capstone yeah absolutely. All right. Uh, let's move on, because that was all the news that we have for the day. Let's move on to Games on the Brain. Games. Games on the Brain. These are games we like to play. These are games stuck on our brains. Oh, baby. Um, you know what? Before we get to Games on the Brain, I did forget to say uh, uh, two things, or one thing, I should say. Um this is the uh, this is an episode after the announcements of the winners of the Golden Geek Awards on Board Game Geek, and we should we should just say that we did not win a Golden Geek Award. Heavy Cardboard won for uh, for their podcast uh, for best podcast, and we want to congratulate them. Um, we. Th- you know, we have listened to and watched their uh, their their channel for a long, long time. We rely on them because they're in the same space as us. We like the deeper, the heavier stuff. Um, and we think they do a, a great, great job. And we are truly, truly proud to be one of the podcasts that were named along with them as a nominee. And, you know, it, it's a Hollywood cliche, but it truly was an honor to be nominated. And we want to thank everybody listening uh, who voted for us. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. It, it is... Uh, it is not lost on us that in our very first year, uh, we were nominated to the highest award that you can get in this particular field. Um, and we are going to endeavor to do even better this year. Uh, and we thank you all for that so much. Jennifer, what's, what games are on your brain right now? What are you thinking about? Uh, I am thinking about Blue Chain Magnate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love it. You know, I think I think, you know, for me... Always, there's always an undercurrent of two games, Blue Chain and 18XX. So, you know, at, at any given point in time, I could be going, wow, I sure wish I was playing Blue Chain Magnet. <laughs> <There was> <laughs> uh, we were playing Smartphone Inc. last night, and one of the technologies that you could unlock was you get to keep any unsold phones and try to sell them in the next round of the game. And... I think Dimitri was like, what? What does that mean? I said, Dimitri, it's the refrigerator. It's the freezer in Food Chain Magnate. That's all it is. Okay? You take your burgers, you take your Cokes, you take your beers, you put them in the freezer, and you can use them next turn. He's like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> oh, man. It's such a good game, isn't it? Is it? It sounds so it's so weird. Oh, smartphone ink? No, I was talking about food chain. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, no. The the thing is, yes, the opening is scripted. We get it. We get it. But the game is so much more than the opening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with the yeah. and with the ketchup expansion, it's less scripted because there are now three options that uh, right. rather than two. And I think they're they're. So far, so good. They're really panning out to be to, to all be very interesting. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. You know, one day I'll have one day, Tom. I'll have four people who are really experienced with the game, and we will put everything into, uh, you know, all the ketchup stuff all together. Throw it all in there. I am ready and waiting. I I could do. I play. I played every single uh, the part of every single element of the ketchup expansion, and I'm ready to go for it. I think it's going to be a disaster, but I'm ready to do it. <laughs> but we'll be cracking up the whole time, right? Uh, totally, totally, totally. Um, on my brain right now is um, well, 18 Chesapeake just came in, so that is definitely on my brain. I've opened it up. I've taken a look at it. Uh, it is. It, it is looking nice. Uh, AT&T Chesapeake, for those who don't know, is the brand new AT&XX game that may replace all of the baby's first AT&XX game. This may be the best first uh, AT&XX that a person plays. It sounds to be, and everything that I'm looking at, it looks to be a really good game that happens to be a stripped down version of 18xx that is clean and clear and and might just be the thing i need to get a few other game brainers into the 18xx train that i want them to get on with me well yeah because i am really um looking forward to getting some 18xx games in me too. somehow me too and that's one of the things like i think what you're, what you're saying is what you said before is right that with the with the four hours online it's hard to do that so those games 18xx games become super hard to play in this current condition right you know, and you know they 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 have the um, online implementations, yeah. but see some of eighteen X to me, and of course maybe it's because I come from a huge trash talking family. Is you know you kind of talk trash when people do stuff you don't want them to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they're gonna go over here, really, really. Are you sure? <laughs> You know, I mean, you know, we could like meta game this, right, Tom? <laughs> all about the meta gaming. All about the Tom, meta. Tom is very familiar with meta gaming. Trust me, y'all. I'm on the receiving end of it. What are you talking about? It's, it's Trey and Paul <laughs> spending the entire game saying, "Gee, Tom looks like he's doing really good. It'd be a darn shame if somebody went there right now." <laughs> And you notice it's always after they've taken their turn and they didn't do that. Right, I know. Huh? <laughs> so true. Uh, but also on my brain is Smartphone Inc. Um, th- that first play was wonderful. I really, really enjoyed really? it. I really dug it. Um, but, y- y- Jennifer, you and I, we've been doing this for a very, very long time. And I think that at a certain point, you start to get a little spider sense where... In the back of my head, there's this little bell that's just ringing very quietly. Like, is this game? It, it, did you just play the best game you're ever going to play of eighteen of Smartphone Inc.? Is it is it downhill from here? From there, right? Does it is it going to broaden, or is this all it's is this all it's going to be? Um, it reminds me a little bit of Container in that sense, and that that I love my first play of Container. It was like, oh, it's interesting, and and you can kind of math it out, but only to a certain degree. And 
it it it, uh, it expands, but it doesn't expand so quickly. Uh, there are a lot of things I really like about Smartphone Inc. My main question is this: is is the cheap phone spam the board with cheap phone strategy? <coughs> Excuse me. Is that unstoppable? Is there right. is there an expensive phone strategy that is going to work? In the long term, in the late rounds, in the big scoring rounds, is there a way that that's going to happen? Looking at the game right now, look, one play in, I have no idea. I really have no idea. But the little bell in the back of my brain is going off and saying, I, I just, you know, uh, just doing a mental calculation. I'm not sure how that will work. I'm, I, I don't see where the math is possible that there are that there are multiple ways to play this game well. And I can't wait to be proved wrong because if I am if I am proved if I am proved wrong and I, and I very well maybe like one play I know I really don't know anything right. It's just it's just a gut reaction and my gut reactions are sometimes incredibly correct and it's sometimes unbelievably wrong. Ask anyone who's <laughs> ever played Avalon with me what my gut reactions are worth. Uh, but, it, but, you know, it, it, it does seem right now that what the game desperately needs is it desperately needs to have an expensive phone strategy uh, as well as a cheap phone strategy and sort of the gamut in between, in, in between there. And in the first game that we played, uh, cheap phones destroyed expensive phones. Uh, and it wasn't even expensive phones. Cheap phones destroyed sl- slightly less cheap phones. <laughs> So we'll see. Uh, I, but I tremendously enjoyed the game. The, the action selection mechanism uh, of putting these tiles on top of one another and overlapping them in different ways to reveal different symbols, I thought was, was a very good puzzle that, that yielded very good results over the course of the game. So smartphone awesome. smartphone awesome. looking forward to it. yeah I, I i don't know if you're gonna like it or not but i think it's worth trying out for sure okay uh update on the eight by eight challenge is that we did not do anything for the eight by eight challenge i actually i think age of steam is being played today by uh, uh by um dimitri and paul and some people so yeah they didn't invite me because they don't like losers what <laughs> what <laughs> i will murder them I will drive to their houses right now, and from a minimum six foot distance, I will I will throw something very heavy at them. That is horrible. Nah, it's okay. Ah. I'm, you know, I'm just crying in the corner. Don't mind me. Ah. Uh, you are so you are so trodden upon. It's it's ridiculous. Um, we're gonna, I know, Jennifer. We got a new segment. Are you ready for our new segment? Yes. Top of round seven, Game Brain Top 50. We did a little experiment. You, you know, it's, it was our one-year anniversary. We were nominated for a Golden Geek. We decided, hey, let's have some fun. Everybody give us your top 20 uh, board games of all time. Just put together your list, rank them from one to twenty. Some people were, some people were like, "Yeah, no problem." Some people were like, "Wow, this is way harder than I thought it was." Some people were like, "I spent the last three days doing nothing but this." Um, and it, yeah, some people were like, "I don't like to rank." Yes, you. We'll just say one one person was like that. One person, <laughs> one person uh, almost didn't want to participate in the experiment. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. But, yeah. But hey, listen. Because on, uh, on any given day, my choices change. I totally get that, which is why some people took three days to finalize their list because of exactly that. They're, they're, you know, they look at it on a Tuesday and they think the list is great. They look at it on a Wednesday. And what was I thinking putting that there? Well, you know what I tell people? Mm-hmm. I say I have 15 games in my top five. Yes, yes. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. I totally get that. But we put everybody to the test. We said everybody must rank 1 through 20 your top games ever. We did a little algorithm to uh, assign point values to that, including uh, bonus points for multiple people picking these games and so on and so forth. And we have come up with our list. We have, well, how many different games do we have all total? I think there's 109 games uh, between 11 people's top 20s. Um, But we think that the top 50 is probably the list that we want to go with. Um, because once you get past the, the 50, it's it's a lot of single entries and so on and so forth. So without further ado, we are going to do the first five, which is actually going to be more than five because of ties, but we'll get to that. Uh, but basically, numbers 50 to 56, and then next week we'll do 55 to, to, to 51 and so on and so forth. Um, tied for number 50 were four games. Solenia which I was surprised by, but uh, Jennifer, you were were you the one that had somebody? No, I know who it was. There were a bunch of people that had it, actually. Alfred loved that game. You put it on your list, though, didn't you? No, I've never played it. It wasn't me. Oh, no, I I'm looking at, oh, I know what I'm looking at. I'm looking at something else. It was Jake. Jake put Selenia on the game. Yeah, Jake, re- okay. Jake reviewed Selenia, and he was really blown away by it. Uh New Amsterdam, which Elder claims is one of the best games ever that none of us have ever played, but he put it... Uh, I've played it, and I would agree with him. It's very good. Okay, good to know. Santiago is on that is on that list. Paul and I both voted for Santiago. Um, and the game we're going to review today made it into our top 50. At number 50, Keyflower is also yeah. there on the list. Classic. Probably should be higher. Probably should be yeah. higher. I'm going to say that right now. And then we have three tied for number 47. And those are Descent, Star Wars Rebellion, and Arkwright. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so Ben Ben was the big Ben was the big vote giver for, for Arkwright. Uh, Jesse was Star Wars Rebellion. And Jake was was dissent interesting interesting hmm. tells you a little something about our group no wonder why it's so hard to get to to, to get to 11 <laughs> people to pick a top 20 we're very different people but hey guess what if you look at the actual board game geek list star wars rebellion and dissent should be on that list i i'm a little surprised that it's on our list as a group but i totally get it right so there you go that is uh, that is the first bit. Next week, tune in for the list uh, from basically forty-five to forty. Looking All forward, right. to, looking forward to it. It is time to get to the game review. We're going to be reviewing Keyflower. It is a twenty twelve release. The designers are Richard Breeze and Sebastian Bleedsdale. 
the artists are Juliet Breeze, Joe Breeze, hmm, what are these names in heaven common, and Gemma <laughs> Tegelaires. And it is published by R&D Games. Jennifer, before we even get into the game, let's get into Richard Breeze. You know Richard Breeze. How did that come to be? Well, you know, Richard was at BGGCon, I believe, 2015? It sounds okay. right. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was 2013. I can't remember. Whichever BGGCon followed the release. So, you know, me and a friend, we, we went to the demo. Oh, it looks good. Great. Okay, so fast forward to Strategicon mm-hmm. and Orcon. Uh, Eric Burgess got Richard to be, um, you know, a special guest for Oricon. Well, when they bring in, or when they used to bring in guests from Europe, um, those guests got a day on the town, you know, to go see it, to go see L.A. Sure. And normally Eric would have done that, but he was very busy that day. So I did it. <laughs> so as, as you can well imagine... Richard wanted to go to go see an aquarium, you know, oh. reef encounter, right? Long, Be- so, Long Beach Aquarium. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So we went to go see the aquarium, and he really enjoyed that. Then we went to lunch, and then we went to Huntington um, Library and Botanical Gardens. And, you know, we had a really nice time. I, I was very positive, very pleasant, very respectful. Wow. you gotta, um, you got to bring my friends around when they come into town. That sounds like a really good day. <laughs> right. It was. And he he really enjoyed it. And then, so, you know, we did the con. And then he stayed over one day because he was going to go and look at downtown L.A. And I said, you know, this is not London. <laughs> you don't want to go to downtown L.A. because there's nothing there except gigantic skyscrapers. So he said, well, you know, why don't we play games at your place? And I said, sure. Or maybe somehow that got into the conversation. And so, so I that's took why he doesn't to like my you. place okay. and we, we played games. And afterward, he asked me if I wanted to come spend two weeks with him and his dad in London. What? <laughs> exactly. Is he making and a of move? Of course, I would have my own bedroom. There's no hanky panky, you mm-hmm. know. And yeah. he had a girlfriend anyway. Uh-huh. Um, and so, at first, I said no, and then I said, you know, oh, I should do that. So I did it. Wow! So you spent two weeks <laughs> with Richard Breeze. Part. So you spent two weeks in, in England with Richard Breeze? Yeah, and his dad's London 4,800-square-foot house with the half-acre English garden. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. Exactly. 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 And, you know, to me, you know, the, the moral of the story is always be on your best behavior because you never know who's looking. It's exactly, exactly what I tell Jesse every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and so during that time was when I introduced, because what had happened was he when he came to my house, he was like, well, where's Key Flower? Where's Key Market? Well, I sold Key Market for $150. I'm sorry. He sold his, own game, was not he sold his own game or, your, or you sold? <laughs> no, 
I sold oh, yeah. my copy yeah, at yeah, yeah. Kmarket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So when he got there, it wasn't there. And then, he, and then I also had sold Keyflower. And he's like, well, how could you do that? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> well, the game is arbitrary, which it is, I will continue to assert, under the original rules. So when I wow. got to England, <laughs> I said, let's play once seen, always seen. And he was doubtful. But after he played it, he really liked that variant. Good, good, which we are about to get into. Uh, let's first say something about Keyflower. Keyflower is um, part of his key series of games. Um, he started those the key series all the way back in 1998 with a game called Keydom, followed it by Key Town in 2000, Key Cathedral in 2002, Key Harvest in 2007, Key Market in 2010, Keyflower in 2012 and so on and so forth, all the way up to uh, Key to the City in 2016 and Keeper in 2017, I think are the, uh, oh, I guess Key Flow in, in 2018 as well. He's putting out basically a, 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 key, a key world game every couple of years, pretty much. And, uh, but the one that was the hit of all hits was Key Flower, and to the extent that there have been 10 mini expansions to it that have been put out over the years, right? Yep. Tell us about Key Flower. So, Key Flower is this really cute game, you know, little pastel colors and stuff, and so you sit down and you think, oh, this is going to be a nice, warm, fuzzy game. (laughs) And then you leave the, the table crying. (laughs) <laughs> wow. I got totally cut up. Totally. So basically, though, um, Key Flower is an auction game. It's not a money auction game. And it's it, one of its biggest strengths is the ability to easily determine what you really want. Yes. You know? I'm like Power Grid where, hmm, do I really need that or is that, you know, but with, with Keyflower, you can tell what you want. So you're putting your pieces onto these tiles and trying to bid for the tiles or for the actions on the tiles. And at the end of the the round, there's four rounds, uh, with the exception of the last round, you will get the tiles that you won the bid on. And, you know, um, it's about an hour, an hour and a half with four players, I think. And um, like like I said, it's, it's very brutal because you might put, oh, well, you know, I'm going to bid three yellow uh, meeples to get this tile. I shouldn't have any problem. And then the very last, um, round of that season, some jerk comes along and outbids you. Mm. And not only that, it's really bad because look, I, Paul is my brother-in-law. That, I'm please, sorry. Paul is my brother-in-law. Please don't call him a jerk. Uh, excuse me. The game breaker comes <laughs> along <laughs> and takes you out. And the, what's so subtle and interesting is that by the time he takes you out, everything else has been taken mm-hmm. right yep so yeah so you're like oh well i guess i'll put it on the you know the second to the last boat which is probably the worst placement in the whole game it is so, <laughs> so true. um yeah and it takes skill the other thing that's beautiful about it it scales so well 
Two player is great. Three player is great. Four player is great. Five player is great. Six player. Imagine that. Me, Miss, I hate long games. I take forever. I don't mind playing this game at six. And the, yeah, let's let's point this out. Six player games are a rarity. I have a, if a game plays to six, my odds of picking it up and buying it go exponentially higher because there are so few games that play well with six. There's so few, right? So yeah, for a game that is this heavy and this deep, and it is kind of a deep game when it gets right into it. It's very thinky and very tough. And very cutthroat um, to have a game that plays six players and is still that heavy and deep is amazing. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing is funny though is that when you meet Richard in your hand, he's so nice until you start playing games with him, and then you go, "Oh, that's a part of him that made Keyflower." Okay, I got. It. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've always said Keyflower looks like Little Women. And it yeah. <laughs> and it plays like American Psycho. It is because <laughs> picture this: you have when you play the physical game, you have this little hut, and each hut, which is basically just just a place under which you're going to keep your pieces, right? You're going to keep your pieces hidden from everybody else. Your little hut, each one is different. All six are different. One has a slate roof. Another one has a straw roof. Another one has a, a wooden shingled roof. They're, they're ones that have bunk beds, and there are some that have a little loft. They, they each have a different kind of hearth. Some of them are a stone hearth. Some of them are a, 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 a cast iron stove sort of situation. It is so beautiful and twee and just delightfully designed. And then... Ten minutes later, you are literally screaming at your best friend, you stab me in the back, I'm going to murder you. Because <laughs> you have, there are three colors of meeples, there's actually a fourth color, but we'll get to that. So there's uh, blue, yellow, and red meeples. You're going to have a random assortment of those to start the game. And there are tiles out in front of you. And we are bidding in the four seasons of the game, the four rounds of the game, we're bidding on those tiles. And if I put a red meeple down next to that tile uh, on my side of the, uh, of the tile, that means I'm bidding one to get that tile. But it also means that tile can only be one with red meeples. And if everybody else is really, really low on red meeples, guess what? I might have just locked that up already. Or what if I put that out there and somebody else has almost only red meeples? I'm dead and I don't even know it yet. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. What else, what else, what else should we say? Should we tell people about the, about the game and how it plays? I, well, I think, you know, um, the one scene always seen. Okay, so in the, the rules as written, uh, even the – oh, okay, wait a minute. Let me start over a little bit. I'm sorry. Um, at the end of each round, you get the – these boats, and the boats have meeples on them, and that's how you get more meeples. Well, in the original rules, those meeples that you choose from the boats that everybody can see go behind your hut. Mm-hmm. And the variant that I uh, suggested to Richard, um, the only the only meeples that go behind the hut are the ones that you have taken out of the bag. Everything else people can see. And when people can see what you might have, then the game, in my opinion, becomes much more strategic. It is a gamer's and, variant, and for sure. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a variant. I mean, I don't, but it is an official variant now. Yeah, so and, and a gamer's variant. Because if you don't, it, it is really hard to keep track. Like, I can look and see, okay, Paul took the fourth boat, so I know he's got a bunch of yellows. That's what I know. But I don't know exactly how many. And keeping track of that, especially when you're playing four, five, or six players, it's, it's, it's pretty much impossible. Um, so knowing what people have, it's very, very difficult. Whereas if you play Jennifer's variant, which I'm still going to call Jennifer's variant because I'm pretty sure you told me it was your variant. Uh, <laughs> you no, know I'm sorry if I did. No, it's okay. It, I'm just joking with you. Yeah, I, I read about it on BGG and Dave Eisen, who was a really big adherent to once seen, uh, once seen, always seen. He suggested it when I, you know, and so I still feel, I mean, he didn't tell Richard about it. I Yeah. Did. Oh, yeah, listen, you And that's you are, how it became in the, yeah. the official variant. I don't want to do be unethical or try to take credit that I don't deserve. No, uh, you, you've, I've never known you to not give credit where it's due. Matter of fact, you are, you are one of the people, I think, is more often ready to say the name of the person who designed that or the name of the person who did that or the name of the person who consulted on that. You know that kind of information and you share that all the time. So that's absolutely true. Okay, uh, good. Because like I said, you know, it's not a big th- thing for me. I, no. the, the main thing, I mean, my name didn't even need to be attached to it but just to have it happen as an official variant so that when i played in groups you know uh people who i don't know i can say but see here's this is an official variant that i'd like to play with it's not just a house rule no and i will tell you trey will play this game will will probably like this game a lot better with that variant um, I hope so one of the interesting things about it is that those meeples that's your the, that's your currency that's all the things that you're going to have to bid on, and this game is a bidding game. You're going out there and bidding on things, but it's also what you use to activate tiles. So if I am bidding on that red tile, I put one red piece out, and now that tile, let's say it's a tile, it's the carpenter. And when people go to the carpenter, they get two wood. Well, guess what? Because, I've, because I put a red tile, a red uh, a meeple next to it, that is now red only. So a person could outbid me by putting two red meeples next to it, or they could put one red meeple on that, spit, on that tile and get two wood right now that would go into their, into their home hex. But whoever wins that tile gets the meeples that are sitting on top of that tile, the meeples that were used to activate that building. So these meeples are used to both activate and used to bid. And they activate and bid in the exact same way, which is you can get your first activation by spending one, your second by spending two of the same color, and your third by spending three of the same color, the same way the bidding escalates as well. And some of these tiles will do things like it'll be uh, put one here and get two more meeples or sacrifice this thing and get two more meeples or so on or so on and so forth. So you're getting more meeples into your collection. You're basically getting more money for future bids, which is really interesting. And then the other, the other really crazy thing is there is a fourth color green, the deadly green, (laughs) which by the way, do you think that it's racist? 
The How fa- can it be racist? All right. So it's keyflower, which is the Mayflower, right? And it's Oh, right, right, right. So right, you've right. got the you, okay. you've got the British think- and you've got the Dutch and you've got the French that are coming over right. here to colonize the place. And then you get these little green bastards that come in and all they want to do is take your lovely toils and deny them and they're just 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 <laughs> rotten people. I don't think it's racist, and I don't <laughs> think that Richard intended for it to have, have some subtle racist message because he's just not that guy. He's oh, not that guy. Oh, he's, so you're, you're taking he, the word of the Englishman that he's not trying to stick his finger in the eye of the Irishman. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, I don't know if, if I'm saying all that. I'm just saying dude is not racist. Probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just had to get that out of my system. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, so also at the beginning of the game, you get end game tiles, right? There are four seasons, right? There's a, a yeah. spring, summer, fall, and then winter. And the first three seasons, the tiles are going to be drawn out randomly. And uh, what would you say? There are in any given game, there are going to be eight or so tiles that are that are put out. But the total collection of tiles are... 12 or so or something along those lines. So right, you're never seeing right. all the tiles. You're never sure what's going to show up and what's not going to show up, right? Right, yeah. I want to say something about the way that those tiles, those winter tiles work and why I think it was such a great design. Normally, in a lot of these games, you know, you get your little objective tile and you kind of look at it and you hope things work out. But in the win- when you get the winter tiles, mm-hmm. see, you already know how you need to progress to make those tiles work. Yeah. 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 And I just think uh, that it's just a better implementation of objective tiles. Yeah. And you'll have, depending on the player count, you'll have two or three of these tiles And you know, if I'm playing in a four-player game, I have two tiles, and I'm going to choose one, and the other one I'm going to get rid of. So I'm basically choosing one of the end-game scoring surprises that's going to come out there. And by knowing what that's going to be, I can be bidding on this collection of tiles to put into my village. And by the the way, other people can put uh, people into my village, but when they do, those meeples become my meeples, and I'm going to be able to right. use them on the next they, round. The other problem is, too, though, that's so cool with the winter tiles. Oh, I'm going to get the ones. Oh, okay, well, this works best with the one scene always seen, but I'm going to get the one that gives points every time I have, you know, each individual color. So for every set of three colors, I get points. Mm-hmm. But then I go, wow, well, Paul sure has a lot of different sets maybe i shouldn't put that one out yep yeah right exactly exactly and because a lot of them also value things that are on the board it's like um this one gives you a point for every wood cube that you have on this space at the end of the game and that's public information you can see out in front of people what they have as far as that goes so why should the ones that reward meeples be so hidden i think that that's what, that's the reason that the variant that that you that that you have gotten to be the official variant i think is so key for this game yeah, no, it's just much, I don't know. For me personally, it turned it from a game that I sold to a game that I actively suggest. Yes, yes. Now, how many <laughs> of the other key games have you played? 
I have played Key Market. I've played Key Harvest. I think I've played um, Keeper. I have not played the Flow one. Um, I've played um, a bunch of his games because he designed good games, you know. Sometimes they don't work for me. Oh, I, I play-tested the Inhabit the Earth one, yeah. and that was not interactive enough for me. But um, Reef Encounter is a great game that's too hard to explain. I, it's still a really good game. I still have Reef Encounter. I have not played it in 10 years. <laughs> And I will not get rid of it because I love it. It is a phenomenal game. It is a stock market game that is played with little fish and and things like that. And it it's so far ahead of its time. It's really right, isn't it? Though, yeah, oh. it is. It's just that I don't know. Maybe one day I will borrow your copy when I can see you again and see if I can rework the rules so that it's easier to explain. Because that's what, what stopped yeah. us from playing it. Nobody understood it. I totally understand. It, it was a long and hard teach. But you know what? Maybe now in the Vitalicerta era, where we're we're learning on Mars and things like that, maybe we bring it out and we're like, oh, this isn't so bad. Here, let's get going. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really good point. You never know. All right. So. Yes. Uh, Oh, sorry. I just want to make sure that we, we move along. Uh, uh, final final thoughts, final points. What what do we want to say about Keyflower yeah. to people? Yeah, it's a. I would say Keyflower is not a gateway game, but it's a next step after your gateway game. Yes, I think that it is a very easy game to understand. Um, I, I think it is not not that hard to learn how to play. Um, uh, okay, so the negatives, here are the negatives. Uh, negative number one is the art is very, very hit and miss. Some of the art in it is gorgeous and twee and, and bucolic and idyllic and all that sort of stuff. And some of it looks like, it, it looks like playtesting art. It looks like the, the, the tiles that you take to be able to have the first choice of ships, for instance, looks like somebody cut and pasted something on a prototype and it doesn't look like it belongs in, in the rest of the game. Um, so that's a little thing. It's a mean game. It just right. is. You're going to be, you're going to make a plan and you're going to have it dashed by that smiling person sitting right next to you when they bid one Irishman, I'm sorry, green meeple on the, the tile that you absolutely need and you have no green meeples. You're going to be dashed when you put three, three of your hard-earned yellow meeples on a tile that you absolutely need and some psychopath puts four there. I know, but the, the other really cool thing that can happen... So you have your little green machine and, you know, oh, as you use green meeples, they go back into the bag. So you come along, oh, I'm going to put my green meeple there because I really want that. And some jerk has two green meeples that they've randomly drawn out of the bag. Yeah. Yes. And you're like, what? <laughs> yes. The, 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 the random green meeple is the worst green meeple. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Irishman that you don't see coming. <laughs> That is the worst Irishman. I think that's what Richard Breeze meant when he designed that into the rules of the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> a couple other things. I think in teaching the game, I think that it, 
this game rewards people that understand what is possible in the winter. So I would put out the winter tiles and say, not all of these are going to come out, but let's look at what some of the big scoring things are. Here's the way you get points in the game. You get points by upgrading your tiles and flipping to their opposite side. So collecting these items and getting and transporting them to the right location is important. And then here are the end game things. These are the things that are going to score. And let's just see where we go. Uh, the one other knock I have on Keyflower, which is a, a fairly small one, is that the expansions are tricky. They have great expansions, so many expansions for Keyflower. But <laughs> the big expansions, like the farmers and stuff, the merchants they have a hard time integrating into the game because if you you have to figure out how to put those tiles in the game because what you end up having is you end up having a draw where you have one set of pigs and then nothing else to go with those pigs like it, you'll you'll have you'll be investing in something that won't have any payoff if that makes any sense to you right 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 yeah i don't you know i mean the the Expansions are good if you want variety, but a lot of people don't need it. It's kind of like, you know, like it's almost almost an abstract in a way, and it kind of is like Tigris in that you don't really need more Tigris because it's already fulfilling, right? Well, t tell that to Yellow and Yangtze. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's not really an expansion. That's a remake. Yes, that's correct. You're absolutely right. So I think what we're saying is 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 Keyflower is a really great game if you can handle it. If you can handle a little a little mean, you have to be able to handle a little mean. If you can handle a little mean, this is a really really good game, and we highly recommend it. And especially if you have a gaming group that sometimes has six players. I could not more highly recommend uh, uh, this game. At the five and six player level, it plays like a dream. It's one of the best games. I think I totally am echoing what Jennifer said. It plays so good at those higher player counts in a way that very few games do. Yep. All right. I think uh, any, any last words? Nope. Look it up. Get Keyflower. And when you do... Um, search the uh, search the board game geek page for Jennifer's uh, or or for the uh, variants that Jennifer recommends. That uh, yeah, it's it's actually in the rules for um, the the first expansion, farmers. Farmers, it's, yes, it's in, yes. It's yeah, it's it's there. But but if you're just getting Keyflower and you're not getting the first expansion, you should still look up those rules because the rule the right, the right. the, the yeah. it makes the base game better. It really is right. about that. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. We're going to move on to our member-specific segment. And Jennifer, I'm super excited. Talk to me. Talk to me about... Gatekeeping, right? Yes, about gatekeeping. I, 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 have, I, have some, I, I, I have some very, very strong feelings about gatekeeping. I look forward to hearing what we're going to talk about. Hit me. Okay. All right. So gatekeeping is a pretty complex, in a way, subject. You have toxic gatekeeping, i.e., where, well, I'll only play with white guys, right? Ooh. And that that's very toxic. You don't play with women because they're dumb. You don't play with black people or Hispanic people or Asian people. 
That is truly horrible gate, gatekeeping. Mm. Now, the other thing that is gatekeeping, and even though you don't really mean that, is when you are in a mixed group, and particularly with women, and you start either harassing them or mansplaining them mm. or be, be, belittling them. Okay, yep. that's gatekeeping because that woman is probably not coming back. Yep. You know, and so that kind of gatekeeping is really, really horrible. Please don't do that. Please, you know, there are men who consider themselves, who I know, who say, oh, I'm feminist, but they, they do all of those things. And that's not feminist. That's not being supportive. Don't man. Explain just if someone has a question, answer it respectfully. Okay. All right. The the next kind of gatekeeping is, ew, you're playing Munchkin, really? Yeah. Okay. That's me. That's me. <laughs> no, I, and that, that's why when I said I have complex feelings about this, it's because I hate gatekeeping, <laughs> and the worst, the the gatekeeping I hate the worst is the gatekeeping I am guilty of. And I am, I am absolutely 100 percent uh, guilty of uh, casual shaming or light shaming or right, whatever. Right, right, right. And so, you know, in my opinion, the response to, oh, can we play Munchkin? My response would be, particularly a lot of times it's, you know, it's popular with the tweens and, and teenagers and stuff. Well, you know, Munchkin can be fun, but you know, I've got these games. Have you tried these? Gotcha, gotcha. You know? Okay, right. okay. Yeah, yeah. And then they go, "Oh, I've never heard of that," or you know, which is usually. But you know, well, you know, it, it really is fun. It only takes half an hour or forty-five minutes or whatever, and you know, you might convert someone, right? Yes. Yeah, and so you know, you gotta be, you gotta be positive. And supportive and not, are you freaking killing me? <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that I don't think that. Sure, I do. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, you like but, games? You know, do you play Monopoly? You, 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 you got to keep it moving. So true. So yeah. true. Now, and now there's the other gatekeeping, which I do. Okay. Hit me. Okay, so as I think Tom mentioned, I do an Essen Day every year. Mm-hmm. And so I invite certain people. Mm-hmm. And they come. And um, a friend of mine said, you know, that meetup felt really curated. And I said, you're darn right it's curated. <laughs> you know? Because, you know, and everybody, people are different places on the spectrum. My personal feeling is people work hard during the week. So if they're going to come all the way to a new country, Santa Clarita, it's not really a new country. It just feels that way. Um then they're going to have a good time. They're going to have great people. They're going to have great games, and they're going to have a good time. And, you know, my my Essen day this year filled up in five minutes. That's it right. was amazing. That's right. I've never seen that, you know. But that's because people know when they come, they're going to have a good time. Exactly. So that is gatekeeping because I do not invite rude people. I do not invite people who scream profanities. I don't invite people who cheat. 
You, yeah. you see? You don't invite and, the disabled? Know, that, that's part of the hobby. Yeah. You, you have a strict no disabled people policy. I know that. Um <laughs> I that remember, would not be true. I don't know. What, I don't know what it is about Native Americans, but you said absolutely none of them ever, ever. <laughs> Guys, don't believe him. <laughs> I, of course, I mean, I I've had trans people many times. I used to host gay boy gamers before they could find a, a bigger space. One of the great things about our LARP community that that Trey and I are part of is that is that it is a very very attractive to trans and, and queer people because they can uh, they can dress the way they want to dress and they're and they can live the way that they want to live for a few hours in a very deeply immersive situation without without any of the normal cultural baggage that sometimes that that sometimes comes to them and so uh, I I totally agree with that. I think that uh, games and, and LARPs in this particular example are a great place for uh, for the LGBTQ community. Yeah. So, you know, um, now you also have issues with, well, my, you know, uh, a group, let's say a group of 10 people mm. and six of them plan to play Here I Stand for the weekend. And then you have people, well, but you're stopping us from playing Great Western Trail. We won't have anybody to play with. Mm-hmm. And that's gatekeeping, right? Well, because we have to. Yeah, I. You can, you can play I, Great I, Western I, Trail I, uh, any darn time you want to, okay? I never get to play. Right. I never get to play Here I Stand. Right. And so that kind of gatekeeping is completely acceptable as long as. As you make it clear, this is what we're playing, and you're you're welcome to join us, assuming you know you're otherwise fit. Um, you know, this is it. And sorry, so you know, gatekeeping um, is a probably too broad term, in my opinion. Yeah. Because in some ways, I do. You know, a friend of mine has a meetup, and he lets everybody in. And there are some people at his meetup that nobody wants to play with. Yeah. So what's happened to his meetup is it shrunk. Yeah, well, you know, uh, once you invite Cal, it's really tough to get rid of him. So. <laughs> Friend of, the, friend of the pod, Cal. Um, no, I, I don't think it's too broad a term because I think we're all guilty of it to some degree and we all have to find where our balance point is. Because I agree, uh, in, in my game night, I've had many, many people that have asked to come to the game night and I've said no. Uh, I, I have. And to some degree... Even me, guys. Even me. I had to, like, bulldoze my way in. <laughs> Well, there is a numbers thing, right? First of all, there is a numbers thing. It's a it's right. a limited space. And sometimes we get, you know, 12, 15 people come, you know, or well, 15 is pretty rare, but it does happen occasionally. But 10 to 12 people, it becomes unwieldy very quickly. And and I'm not sure that I want a game night in which there are, are four tables going. I feel like I'm not really, you know, getting to spend time with, with people. So, so that's an issue. But it is an issue for other people that it's just... I want this to be a time for my friends and I to get together. And some de- to some degree, that's right. gatekeeping. But to some degree, no, that's just having a, a healthy boundary for this particular situation, right? I think there are boundaries right. that we can put in that are okay. Where 
the unfortunate thing about it is that I think you and I both are game evangelists. We want to bring people into the hobby. We want to deepen people's experience in the hobby. We want to show them new things. And by excluding them from this occasion, we're kind of doing we're we're kind of doing the opposite of that to some degree, right? Well, but you know, for me, Tom, I'm not as much of an evangelist. It's okay, evangelist. Yes, as I, yeah, evangelist, as I used to be, because I'm, you know, I, I, I've been in this hobby since 1983, which is my first con, I think, 19, no, 1985, and so now. You know, I want to play what I want to play. <laughs> I get that. You know, and right, because guys, I'm always, you guys, I'm called the, the pioneer, but really I should be called the fussy gamer. Okay? <laughs> you are fussy. <laughs> and by the way, you're getting fussier. <laughs> I know. huh? It's okay. Guess yeah. what? I think I am too. I think it's, I think that's going to happen to some degree because yeah, I like what I like <laughs> and I'm not right. going to change anymore. You know? <laughs> well, the other problem, folks, is that it's an hour drive to yep. Tom's place yep. for, for me. And, you know, as an extreme example, I'm not driving an hour to play Munchkin, right? <laughs> so... You know, to be I clear, have to I do not have Munchkin. Things. I have never had Munchkin. <laughs> not in my collection, but okay. Okay, which which gets to the other gatekeeping because I just did it again. I just I just slammed Munchkin. Here is the problem. Okay, so my part of my part of my uh, evangelism does have a negative side to it, right? Because I don't just want to get people into the hobby. It's I want to convert you from worse games to better games or um, or more casual games to deeper games, because in my mind, deeper is better. And that yeah, ain't but so. That's that very so. dangerous. No, that's I know. That's what I'm saying. But. Uh, Tom. No, this is a confession. This is not a de- justification. Okay, good. This is not because a justification at all. I don't ever want to imply that heavy games are better because they aren't. Right. And what that causes is something that I've seen so many times is that, well, they're playing the heavy game. So since I'm smart, I better, or I want to look smart, I better go look, play with them. And they're completely out of their depth. I totally agree with that. And and I'm totally guilty of that. I have brought, I guess for me, it's that I want to see how deep you can go down the rabbit hole. I want to see how far you can go and on your own and not being coached by every player on the, at the table. Right. Right. And I make mistakes in that regard. Right. I'm going to, going to push you too far or too far, too fast, or this or the other thing. And the other thing about it is that it does, there is a part of my brain that does denigrate the lighter, more casual experiences to some degree. Now, now, listen. You know, this you, is so typical of white guys, right? You know, it's so <laughs> typical, y'all. I've been hearing it all my life. It's sad. It is sad, and I'm owning it. I'm owning it. It is a, it is a, it is a fact that it is there. Now, listen, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of Everdell. I'm a person that is, you know, you, you heard the episode of me and, and, my, and my kids. We were talking about a ton of light games that we love, that we love to play. So I do like a, a spectrum 
of games, but I do think that there are games that are there are better games and there are worse games sometimes. Yes, no. That, that, now, see, there's a big difference though. Yes, between saying I like good games and denigrating a game that's good, but it's light. Yes, that's a big difference. I totally agree. Okay. Yeah. So, and and I don't think you do that. I I listen. I try not to do it. It is something that's he, in my he, mind he, to avoid. He, he secretly does it, guys. Well, uh, no, but it, it, it's something I struggle with. I'm gonna be. I'm a hundred percent cards on the table here. I do struggle with that. I do struggle with that. I do want to be an inviting, inclusive person. And I think I'm very inviting and inclusive in terms of people. Like, I don't judge people, but I do judge the games people play sometimes. And I got to cut that that out. That is not, that that isn't going to age well. Right. <laughs> it well, never the has. other thing is, is that I know you think a lot of yourself, but a lot of people do not care whatsoever what you think of the game they're playing, Tom. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Totally true. Told you. Because they don't care what I think of the game I'm playing either. Okay? So we have to not um, build ourselves up in that way. Well, I've been playing for 30 years, and that game you're playing sucks. Yeah. But they're But there comes a point when, you know, but there comes a point when the professional screenwriter hears a person tell you that my favorite movie is Police Academy 6. And I've yeah, died. Really, really. <laughs> no, look, I. I, I oh, my, God, my favorite movie is Police Academy oh, 6. You're going to murder me. You're going to literally murder me. <laughs> I think that there are three. Psych- three things about human psychology that keep us from having a better world right now and today. <laughs> I really do. I think there are three things. The first is that in-group love equates to out-group distrust. That what? is a, a psychological thing where the more you love what you are, the more you distrust and dislike what is different from you. Uh, that right. is that is a sad, sad thing, and it is causing a lot of pain. In the yeah, world but that's, that's not the way I think. No, yes. not the way I think. Not the way I think either. But I'm just talking about general things. Second thing is that when a person is presented with evidence to the contrary of something they believe, they it tends to strengthen that belief and not correct that belief. That's the that's the second thing that I think is is a unfortunate psychological truth that I wish wasn't so in, in the world and that we all have to fight against. But the third one is the one that relates to gatekeeping, which is the instinct for a person that finds something great and discovers that a person is unaware of that great thing is to announce to the world that that person doesn't know this thing is to is to oh, shame is, never. is to oh. shame them or to to, no, to shine a spot no, no. to shine a spotlight that's not that's okay just like i was talking about with the richard breeze thing yeah. and how he was so kind yes you well, do I something mean, like that that is not not only is it not positive but it makes you look worse than the person you're shaming Who's gonna? Would I invite such a person to my S and J? Heck no! Heck no! I've, I've done it. No I've, way. I've done it. I try not to do it. I I, I I hate it when I when I realize later that I've done it. But I've done it in the past, and it kills me. And I, I had this experience with my son not too long ago, where 
he where I saw him him do it. He was like with the I was driving him and his friends somewhere. And he was like, you've never seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail? What? Uh, Are you crazy? Blah, 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 blah. And, and gave him a little bit of, you know, a little bit of feces for that. And then when the friend got out of the car, waited until the friend got out of the car. And then I said to him, like, Aiden, I've done this. I've done this a lot of times. And I never like that because what, what I'm actually doing is I'm doing the opposite of what I want to do. What I want to do is grab that person and say, first chance you get, Come with me. We're gonna sit down on the couch. I'm gonna make some popcorn, and I'm gonna show you this thing. I think you're gonna. Right. Lo- I think you're gonna love it. Right. See, that's that's how you handle that. Yes. You don't criticize people. I mean, I you know people are like, well, did you see this show or that show? Look, I used to watch three things on TV: Major League Baseball, National Basketball Association, and the National Football League, and that's it. Now, if you want to think less of me because I didn't watch. Whatever hot, you know, TV show, go right ahead because I don't care. I don't think less of you. I just think you're starving my children. I mean, <laughs> I not, not do watching go scripted. and pay for the tickets. <laughs> God, Jennifer, any last any last words on gatekeeping? I think this is a really good conversation. No, I mean, you know, if you there is a an appropriate place for it. Just when you do it, make sure you're staying positive. Yes. Totally agree. Jennifer, thank you so much. I think that was really, really great. I, I think uh, I'm surprised that we haven't brought up this topic and, and talked about it yet. I think it's something important. And I'm really especially happy that you talked about the nuance of it because it's not always 100% black and white. There are times when what is uh, what, something on the borderline of healthy boundaries and gatekeeping and, and trying to navigate those two is a really important thing. So thanks for that. I think we have time probably for one game sommelier. Is that okay with you? Oh, yeah, sure. Let's hit it. Sometimes a player just got to know which game should stay, which game should go, which to play with mama, madame, abu. You got to tell me, monsieur, just what to do. Want to make an impression, but I can't get far. As my 50th player of Agricola, a million games. Show me the way to the master, the game sommelier. All right, I'm picking out a game sommelier request we had from a person that looked like they were writing directly to Jennifer and myself. Uh, this is from Mark. Mark said, <laughs> it really is, right? You and I talked about it before the show. Uh, Mark said, after 20 years away from board gaming, I joined a local gaming group late last year, and boy, have games changed. I am from the old 3M Avalon Hill days. Hey, holla, holla out, A-H. That is us. Uh, <laughs> upon return, I have picked up a half dozen games and played over 80 others. Thank you for your podcast. I've binged over the last few weeks, which has enhanced my playing and interest while stretching my game brain. How can a person who wants to learn ask the game group to play games that are older, i.e. from 2000 to 2016? And what games would you suggest as my games to ask to play? Oh, Fantastic question, right? I mean, that's that's great. That I, I think that totally makes sense. I, I get where that's coming from. I think that the so I think there's two things we can talk about. One thing is what are the old Avalon Hill style games that are still you know that you might be able to get people to play today because there are some that are that are kind of cool. 
you know, first thing I say is is have an old school night. Say, hey, can we just, you know, just for fun, have one time a month or one time every other month where we do an old school game night and we play stuff from 2000, 2010 or stuff that is pr- prior to, you know, or prior to 1995 if you want to play the old Avalon Hill stuff. What do you think, Jennifer? Yeah, um, you know, I don't, Avalon Hill went out of business just, bef- not out of business, it got bought. Um just before 2000, if I recall correctly. Uh, by TSR, right? No, they got bought Wizards. by Hasbro. Yeah, Has- uh, ha- Hasbro, which was then bought, bought by Wizards of the Coast, right? Yes. No, Hasbro bought Wizards of the there Coast. You go. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> yeah, so so I don't know. The only Avon Hill game that I can think of that aged, that is still played a lot today, um, is 1830. Gotcha. Uh, Dune, yeah. Dune is still played a lot. Oh, it, well, but it's, it, oh, okay. It, it is as of this moment, right? Sure. So, well, our, yeah. our, our particular group never stopped playing it. I, I think, listen, I think Whiz War is a game that is really fun and light and beer and pretzels. It's sort of like Munchkin before Munchkin and really, right. really kind of fun and worth checking out. Kremlin, I think, is a really fun and funny game that's, that's. Talk about graphics, though. Oh, horrible! But, <laughs> but it, it's 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 so wry. It's got such a good sense of humor to it, and it plays like a game. It's still a game. It's legit. Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest game in that 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 set of years is probably Power Grid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Friedrich Friedman Frieza. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Friedrich Frieza. Um, uh, Stone Age. Stone Age, definitely, definitely. Yeah, um, you've got uh, Agricola is in that space. Absolutely. Dominion, another huge game in that space. Oh, that's great. Great choice. Yeah, um, you know, uh, on this lighter side, oh, well, no, let's see, that's not that one. I'm just kind of looking through my collection yeah. To see some of the stuff that I still own um, from that that type that time period. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I'm in the same boat as you. Race for the Galaxy is going to be a perennial classic. Yes, definitely. Tom. Yep. So I think those are the games that I would start with. Uh, my head is exactly in the same place. What I did was I said. Why not ask for the classics by the most prolific designers, right? Like, like ah. if you're playing, you know, if, if like, so you play a game that is a farming game. See, let's play the original. Let's play Agricola. Let's play the one that, that right. started that out. If you're playing Race Arcana, say, let's play Race for the Galaxy, right? If you're playing, you know, right. Bora Bora or something like that, say, let's play Castles of Burgundy. Right. Or, you know, if you're playing a super competitive auction game, play Power Grid. Yes. Yes. Play Power Grid or play, frankly, Keyflower. Right. 2012. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or um, and Stone Age is classic worker placement. Classic. And listen, with the new edition of Age of Steam that just came out, I think that and that and Brass both have been redone. So the Martin Wallace's of the world have been reprinted. So you can play some really classic Martin Wallace games right now. Right now. Lancaster in particular, that, that is 
almost abstract classic. Oh, I totally agree. Totally agree. And then, you know, you got to look at Reiner Knizia and you got to say Taj Mahal is an amazing game. Well, Kramer, Tigress. Yes, Tigress and Tigress and Euphrates, uh, Samurai, I think. Um, and then Wolfgang Kramer, El Grande, all the way back in 1996 or whatever, I think is still, it, it holds up so well. It plays so great even today. I think any of those games, Mark, you could tell your your friends, hey, listen, just this once, let's 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 pull this out, and you get the great thing about playing those older games is you get a real sense for where the where design has come from. You get to because right. they're very very El Grande is area control and it's right. so distilled, it's so perfectly just that without the bells and whistles yet, right? Right, right, exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, which I think is a really um, good idea. The other one, um, oh, Raw and Amon Ray. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. The only problem with Amon Ray is it needs five. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I played Amon Ray about five years ago, going, you know, trying to play an old school game every once in a while. And it didn't, it didn't wow me the way it used to. I didn't, I didn't love it. Uh, it but it may, I may have yeah, played it before. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It might not have aged well. It's been a million years since I played. Yeah. But I was just thinking of it as a Kinesia. Yeah, for me, for me, for the Kinesia, uh, uh, Samurai, even though it's a more of a puzzle g- game, I think is still right. absolutely perfect. And Taj Mahal. Oh, and of course, uh, Burger Burger. <laughs> yeah, I, castles well, I, of Burgundy. Castles of Burgundy, otherwise known as what is it, the I can never pronounce it, but the the original game was German, only German. Yes. Yeah, Die Bergen von Bergen. So we used to call it Burger Burger. <laughs> And let's say the modern art it, it keeps getting yeah, repri- keeps yeah. getting reprinted. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to find out, like, what is the first um, auction game I should learn? There is no better game than modern art. It is perfect. It is perfect. And in the game, baked into the game, are four different au- auction methods. There is blind bidding. There is once around bidding. There is right. There is fixed price. This it, it built into the game are basically it's teaching you every auction mechanism you're going to need for the game is for the next twenty five years, which is crazy. Right. <laughs> crazy. Oh, yep. Fantastic. Jennifer, I always enjoy um, having you on the podcast. I, I feel like in a weird way, even though you and I are probably complaining about as much as anybody, if not the most, about having to play online, there is a bright spot for you and I, which is we're this round, we're going to be reviewing older games. Because we don't have a lot of new games coming out. We're going to be, we're right. going to be p- pulling out things like Keyflower and saying, hey... A lot of you people have never played this game. What are you thinking? Why are you, why are you playing the new expansion to Lords of Waterdeep when you've never tried Keyflower? Try, see, I just gatekeeped again. Oh, but <laughs> seriously, you, try Keyflower. I think you might love it, uh, or at least at, at least you'll find out whether or not it's your it's your speed or not. But uh, right. I, I think there are a lot of games that we're going to be playing now that are you know like you're playing Teotihuacan. And, and testing that out, I think we're, we're playing games from three, four, five, 10, 15 years ago. 
And I think that's a really great opportunity. You know, it's it's that right. And and we're seeing which ones hold up yep. and which ones don't because they don't all hold up. Trust me. No, I totally okay? agree. Yeah, yeah. No, they don't all. They're not all good. So. And I get a lot of know, surprises. Like, go ahead. They were good then, uh, but you know, we it's time to move on. <laughs> I get surprises on both sides. I'm I've been surprised that oh, you know what that really isn't as great as I remembered it. And then there are some that I'm like, wow, I don't think I ever love that game as much as I love it now. Like, like, <laughs> right. I haven't had that, that experience, but I am a card carrying member of cult of the new. So <laughs> hey, deeper, deeper, not, well, not wider. All uh, right, right, right. Well, I have not bought very much, but I think I bought two games. And the only reason I bought them is because they were going out of print. Now, Todd bought us too many, my, my son Todd bought us too many game, bones. And I bought Glenn Moore and I bought Imperial. And that, that's it. That's still pretty good. I mean, still pretty good. Jennifer, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Uh, we want everybody out there to know that we have a YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash game brain pod. And if you go there, you can see the Zoom call that was at the top of this episode and you can see all our smiling faces. We have a Facebook group that gets very active discord channel that has a lot of posts going on there. Please get us those board game sommelier questions and... You've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson and Tom Donnelly. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. You know him as Alfred on the show. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. Daedalus has a new album out. Check it out. You can reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod. Thanks for listening and go play some games with friends or virtually make some friends with games. <laughs>